Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Pastor Andy Addis. You plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? You're giving all you've got to give in the place where you've been sent. But will this labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes you feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town With a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him one willing soul to make him known. That's you. That's you listening here at the Rural Pastor Podcast, where we want to pour into, partner with, and pat on the back the rural pastor because what you're doing is so important. Once again, I'm here with good friend Danny Payne. He is uh, the director of missions, the associational mission strategist for Flint Hills, and I am uh, the director of rurality for the North American Mission Board and pastor of Cross Point Church, a rural multi site network. And you are the heartbeat. <laughs> of ministry in your hometown, and we are so thankful that you are joining with us today. Uh, Danny, uh, by the way, one, one of my favorite stories, I don't think I, we've shared this on here, uh, is that Danny and I have been friends for a long time, and we probably became friends because your wife was in charge of youth registration process, and I wanted to uh, make sure I always had an in because I was late on everything. Wise. Yeah, so so I became, <laughs> became friends with you so that we, hopefully when we mess stuff up, we could get some grace. <laughs> but I remember we were at camp one time, and uh, you had this keychain uh, on your backpack, and it was this big metal fist, and it looked like the Hulk. I said, Oh man, that looks like the Hulk. You said it is. I'm like, oh, he's my favorite Avenger because I like have Hulk stuff everywhere. I actually have a, a signed Stan Lee um, original drawing uh, of the Hulk where Stan Lee signed it. What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a Hulk guy, and, and I remember we were we were friends, but like yeah. we're, you know we're not like hugging friends or anything like that uh, back in the day. And you just clicked that off, put it in my hand, said, "Here, take this. I want you to have it." That has been so precious to me. That is the keychain that still to this day is on our camper. So in our happiest moments when we're camping, I think of you, Dan. <laughs> I feel a tear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now to be able to do this together, what 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 a pleasure. Now, we want to talk about a, a new issue. We've been on a, a previous series on rhythms and an extension of that. We were talking about getting away. Getting away requires that you have somebody that can be there when you're gone. Right, that there there has to be uh, there has to be a plan. You don't just leave and say good luck. <laughs> and so, in especially in bivocational, co-vocational ministry, we want to talk about a plan for getting there. But before we do that, Danny, how did you know that you were called? We're both in ministry, been there for years. How did you know that you were called to ministry? You know, I grew up in church, and that didn't that wasn't that that could be good and bad. <laughs> it can it, <laughs> it can be. And I, I remember I was it was nineteen eighty four. I was about 20, mm. and that was back in the day when you had Sunday night service, and our pastor's name was Ken Emerson, 
he was doing, we were doing a missions, missionary emphasis. And I had some promptings by the Holy Spirit just about this because I was out of high school. I had no idea what I was going to be, do, mm. whatever. Uh, I wanted to be a zoologist until I f- discovered how much math and science was required <laughs> and that you couldn't just look at animals and think how cute they are. And yeah. so I knew That's that was That's not what out. a zoologist is. <laughs> it is not it. <laughs> and so I knew I was in trouble. And so he was doing this evening thing about missions and missionaries. And at the end, he just offered an invitation. Mm. And I never forget, I get up and my friend, my best friend, his name was Ken, he looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I'm saying... I think God's called me to ministry. Wow. And I got up and I went forward with everybody else. Now, what grade did you say you were in? Oh, I was 20. You're tw- oh, man, 20. Oh, man, you're an adult. Yeah, yeah, I was 20. And I never, I just, I, I just, um, it's that statement where you put your yes fantastic. on the table. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was saying yes to. Mm. I just could feel the Holy Spirit saying, you need to take this step with me. And that started my journey um, into ministry. I was. So that was my calling, uh, and I didn't really know what I was being called to at the moment. But then it, 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 God over a series of years then revealed student ministry and discipleship and lead pastor, and ultimately to where I am today. Mm, that's fantastic. At the age of twenty, God altered your course, but He, he did. called you out. He called you out. He did. I think that's such a testimony because there are some who are listening here, and they're they're servants in the church and they're leaders, but they think, well, but I'm on a path. No, you're on whatever path God tells you to be on. Uh, matter of fact, I've heard recently that the age of seminary students has increased dramatically because a good chunk of those going into the ministry uh, full time are now in a second career. And so you just never know what the Lord's going to do, right? He's true. You just follow Him and trust Him. Uh, for me, I was a year before you. I was 19. And uh, I did not grow up in church. Um, I, I had been saved uh, by an independent KJV, fundamental Southern uh, Bible Baptist uh, vacation Bible school. And, uh, and, and, and that was, I'm thankful for it, but I wandered from it. But my senior year of high school, uh, through a series of events, I started, you know, coming back to the Lord, got excited about it, went to college at Fort A. State University, started leading Bible studies out of my dorm, and uh, for whatever reason, those were blown up. And I started going to this Bible study, and Jerry Sprock, the pastor of an American Baptist church, was leading this college Bible study, of which when I showed up, there was usually one student, right? <laughs> it's just me, you? <laughs> me and Jerry. <laughs> it's me and Jerry. Uh, and so he was super faithful, and uh, after a year of that, he looked at me and said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? I said, well, I'm going to be a journalist. He goes, really? I go, yeah, why you ask? He goes, do me a favor. Ask everybody you know for the next week what they think you're going to do with your life, and then let's talk. And I did. So everybody at the newspaper office, everybody at the student government office, everybody in my dorm, I just said, hey, I've been asked, what do you think I'm going to do with the rest of my life? And like everybody said, you're going to be a preacher, aren't you? You're going to be a pastor, aren't you? And I had never, those words had never come out of my mouth. I remember going back to Jerry and going, how did you do that? That was like a magic trick. You got everybody to say the same thing. He's like, no. He says, in my tribe, we call that a Timothy call, and it's when you're too dumb to see what everybody else sees. <laughs> and I like he, that. He had, a call, he had a sit down with me. and goes, Andy, you really need to think about what gives you joy and what God's built you for. And that weekend, I went forward at my own church, and Doyle Smith received me at uh, First Southern in Great Bend. And uh, he said, well, if you're going to be in ministry next weekend, you're preaching at Trinity um, Baptist in Hoisington, Kansas, and I spent that week 
get ready for. I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> I was terrified. Uh, never mind. <laughs> so I went from uh, sure you're called to next week you're preaching, and uh, it, and it was a, a great journey thrown into the deep end. But everybody gets there a different way. Uh, I'm saying this. Maybe some of you out there are too dumb to know what God's calling you to do. Maybe some of you have already been down that road and you go, man, I was too dumb to run away from this <laughs> and now we're in it. But no, it's a beautiful, glorious calling. And that is what brings us to the issue today. Why is it the churches are having trouble filling pulpits? Why is there a declination in ministry? There's a, a couple of stats I want to share with you. And the first one is a general stat, and it's this, that 4,500 Protestant churches in the United States will close almost every year, 4,500. That's a significant population uh, to, to lose, especially because if you lose an evangelical church in a rural area, then you've almost always lost an evangelical voice for a county, right? So that's significant. But then there's a book by Shane Pruitt, call, Calling Out the Cult. Fantastic book. on, And it's basically saying the reason we don't have preachers and leaders is because we stopped inviting them to the call. And I've got a couple stats, and here's where we're going to start our conversation on this. Uh, in 19, from his book, Calling Out the Call, 1992, Barner reported that the median age for Protestant pastors was 44. Approximately one-third of those pastors were under the age of 40, and 75% of pastors were under the age of 55. Fast forward to 2017, so the common era here. The same study revealed that uh, the median age had increased from 44 to 54, with only 50% of pastors being younger than 55. The most staggering number was the steep decline in pastors under the age of 40, and it plummeted to less than 15%. Wow. Now, there's a crisis that's about to take place, right? And part of the argument is that the reason we don't have those young preachers and those young pastors and those young missionaries and those young people called to vocational service is we quit asking. We quit We quit asking in the invitation and saying that, uh, that, that you should be called out. And I think part of the problem, I'm going to need your response to this, so I'm just... I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to be hard for some of us to hear. I'm including myself because I'm a week-to-week preacher. The reason that we quit asking was because if somebody responded to a gospel call to be a preacher or a pastor or a teacher, basically the highest place we could put them is standing at the door handing out bulletins, right? Because we don't create the room for them to learn and grow how to do that. Well, I mean, you said it earlier, just a few minutes ago, that Doyle basically put you in the fire by preaching. Amen. And I think for like Andy and I, we don't we're not where we are today unless pastors put us in positions to to learn. I think back to my first time I preached and my my I remember I was so nervous and so terrified. My wife she, it was like she was holding a sign at a NASCAR, like, slow down, you know, like, yeah. I was so, like, she's like, she's, she was using her hands and motioning, slow down, but I, but that didn't happen mm. until the pastor said, yeah, it's probably not going to be all that great, but I think back to the disciples and Jesus, like, it's not going to be all that great, but we got to start somewhere. Sent them out two by two? Yeah. Then came back and debriefed? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and I think I think for the church is to is to do that. And I, man, what a, when we put them beyond bulletins, I mean, because by doing that, you're, what a, what a tragedy to say, oh, well, we'll put you over here. 
even though God's gifted you for certain things, I say, man, why don't you why don't you step into those things and help them to prepare? And if they're called to those things, but we limit them, like say somebody's called to preach, they feel like I, f- I think I'm called to pastor, and then you say, well, be your chief bulletin hander outer. There's nothing wrong with that, but there are some people that that's what they're called to do. But if somebody's called to do more, then we get mad when they leave. Well, why did you leave? Well. Because God's got this call on my life to do this thing, and there's no room here. Doyle not only put me out that week and said, you're going to go to Trinity and fill in there. He says, but then that Sunday night, um, you're going to preach here for me. So he had to step out to let me step up, right? And and it was not great. It wasn't even good, <laughs> right? And Doyle, was a, he's a, he was a powerful, doctrinal, theological, deep teacher, and and the fact that I, I look back at the 35 note cards that I had for that message and go, oh, I'm just embarrassed I, impre- I presented this in front of him. But not him. He he lifted you up. He had to step out so that you could step up. Otherwise, you're going to get to stepping because you, you, you've you got to fulfill that calling. So one of the reasons I believe that we don't call people out to the, be called anymore is because we're afraid to give them that room. And that's kind of the basis for what we want to do with the rest of this is how could we come up with a plan? Small church, medium church, large church to come up with a plan to create room that we could actually call out the call. Sound like a plan? It does. Let me throw something to you, Andy. I want, I want to ask your thought on this. Sure. Do you think that sometimes the reason we're not doing that is because we don't want some of our best people to leave? Yeah. We're more worried about seating capacity than sending capacity. And yes. and, and we, we think if we let them go and we send them out, they're going to do good out there, but I need them here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a... A scarcity of resources mentality, and it says more about what you believe about God than you want to admit. Yes. I had a pastor tell me that because I talked to him about about doing this idea of developing with the purpose of sending, and his exact words were to me, I don't want to lose my best people. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which completely negates, that that is such navel focusing and an inward focus. And I think God blesses the church that is willing to look outside. Yeah, some of your best and brightest will be gone, but that's because God has more best and brightest to give you. And if you're going to be that, what's the old blessing illustration? You can be either a reservoir or a conduit. And if you're a reservoir, you get stagnant. But if you're a conduit, it flows and flows. And I think too, it also, it speaks to that whose kingdom are you really trying to build? Because mm. God's kingdom is well beyond the local church. It's it's bigger. And I think when you think about that, that you could send a couple to a town that doesn't have any evangelical work, and you were part of that, how can that not be celebrated? hundred percent. You know, I've heard some definitions that you're not really a disciple until you've made a disciple based on the definition of what a disciple is, because a disciple makes disciples. And if you're a disciple that's never made a disciple, you're actually just a baby Christian. You become a disciple once you've made a disciple. Well, the church is made up of disciples. So wouldn't it be true then that the church is really only a true church once it's planted another church or seated or supported another church. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get in a theological debate, but that's a personal conviction of mine that you become mature in your faith when you become a discipler, and you become mature as a church when you become a church that sends and, and helps in the broader kingdom context. Truth. I heard uh, Jimmy Scroggin speak just last week at the For the Church conference, and he talked about his own calling. And um, and this is the problem. You'll have kids walk down the aisle at camp, or you'll you'll have them uh, come talk to you, and you, and you can have this thought. Sometimes you go, "I don't want to lose my best and brightest," but sometimes you go, "Really? You you think 
this this is what you want to well jimmy i guess was he he pictured himself in that way and his pastor looked at him and said first timothy 3 1 the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer he desires a noble task and his pastor had this mentality if you aspire to this you aspire to a noble task so let's get on it see what god's doing and then you just walk with him it's a discipleship issue that's that's all that that is, right? So whether somebody comes and go, they're the, they're great, or somebody comes and you're like, what do I do with this? If God brought them, it's an invitation to disciple. And I think too, you have to take a long view of this. Mm. I mean, think about where somebody is. Part of what we need to do is not where they are, but where they can be, and we're helping along that way. I think back. I've got a I've got a former student who's now a youth pastor in Kansas City. And I think back to where he was when he was 15 and where he is now married with kids and leading student ministry in a church. Man, that just brings me joy Mm. that I had a season where I poured into him and helped him. And I think when you think long view, not like, well, what am I going to do with him now? He can't, he can't, they can't, whatever. No, not where they are now, but where they can be. That's when Jesus said to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. Mm -hmm. He says, I will show you, I will train you, I will walk with you. So that you will know what it looks like when I'm gone, you'll carry the church forward. That was his vision for them. An apprenticing model. Yes. Where you watch, then we do, then you do, I watch kind of thing. And and, and we need to replicate that again and again. So that brings us to this issue. Remember I said I was going to challenge us. How do you call people out and not give them a place to step up? Right, you can't just call them out. So you need to be called them. If God's called you, step up into ministry and now uh, go clean the bathrooms. That's a good thing to do. Everybody has to be a part, be a servant in their heart. But but we have to develop these guys. So here's the issue: most pastors that I know in rural rural America are preaching fifty out of fifty two weeks, and the only reason they're not preaching those other two is because they know that it looks bad if they don't take those vacation days. And (laughs) uh, and whether it's pride or control or lack of opportunity, let's say you really do want to get away, but you can't do this. Um, Let me put my money where my mouth is. I I preach to, I'm the lead teaching pastor for a multi-site church. I got a a fairly substantial congregation and I love to preach. I used to be the 50 out of 52 weeks a year guy. If you've listened to previous podcasts, you know one out of every seven weeks, I'm already out because my location pastors preach, but we also have a teaching team. I preach 38 out of 52, and I'm great with that because I know every weekend that I'm out, I've got either an army of young guys or a laser focus on one guy who is growing and learning and we call it the Mack truck philosophy. If Andy ever gets hit by a Mack truck, we got to have somebody <laughs> who can step up. And honestly, right now, we've got about a dozen guys who could step up and fill that role. And that, you know, it's funny you say that, Andy, because I've had several times where I've met with a guy, either full time or vivo, and I've asked them like, "What what happens to you? What happens to the church if if you're if you get hit by a Mack truck?" Like to your words, mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten, they look at me like, "I don't know." I said, well, I do, because there's nobody behind you. Yeah. You, what happens next is a search committee that's usually followed by a business meeting as to what to do with the building, and then now an associational director mission is looking for a new church planter. Correct. Yeah, because we haven't prepared and done the discipleship model. And, and 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 here's the benefit. If you actually do this, there's work up front, obviously, but it's a joyous work to see somebody develop. But you're actually creating your own buffer. <laughs> 
so that you don't get burnt out in this. You're actually creating a volunteer staff that's going to help you survive and thrive in ministry. And go back to what we've talked about before too. It's it's so refreshing to go. God speaks through other people. Mm. And we we talked about this in a previous podcast that God speaks through other people. So let's let's allow Him to work and grow and see that play yes. out right in front of us. Yes, yes, yes. Now, in doing so, uh, it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to have a plan. I want to give you a plan. So in the show notes, you're going to see there are five bullet points, and uh, they'll be reflected here. So if you're driving, don't worry about writing these down. You can just you can just copy and paste a little bit later. But here is a simple plan for not only calling out, but creating space. First of all, I think that we should make it our goal to make a plea at least once a month to call out those who are called. Just, just say... You know, maybe you felt a stirring in your heart. Maybe you've been wrestling with this. Um, that is not that is not a one-off. That could be the Holy Spirit, and you need to pray about that, and I'd like to pray about that with you. And at least once a month, create the space in the hearts of the hearers from the pulpit to say, you may be listening, but what God's telling you is that it's more than just simple obedience. He needs you to take a leap of faith. And, and to once a month, call out the called. To, to regularly do that. And you may, you say, well, what if the message doesn't uh, call for that? The message always calls for that. It's the gospel, right? You, you can always find a way to invite people to, to live out the gospel in their life. And then second, and I think this is the most important one, create quarterly events for them to preach. So once a quarter, you're going to be out of the pulpit no matter what, and you've got to find these guys. Now, if you say, well, how do I do that? You can make them independent events, a youth Sunday, a college career Sunday, a deacon Sunday, uh, a senior Sunday, because like you said, you and I were called uh, when we weren't kids. They're, they're, God's calling people out at different ages. Or you might just say that that we have next-gen Sunday, and, and, and once a quarter, we're actually going to create that space, and we're going to be looking for those who are called out to fill that spot. Third, um, then you prepare and disciple them. So once they've responded and you have somebody for one of those quarterly events, you're calling out regularly every month, then you're creating quarterly space where you're going to step down so that they can step up. Now, this is oppositional to what we talked about. If you're gone, be gone. This is not you being gone. This is you discipling. Right. This is you being there with them. So then you help prepare them. When Doyle told me that I had to preach that next week and I'd never preached before, he started off with two hours in his office on Monday morning telling me, this is what you need to do. Here's how you, he gave me Faisal's outline for examine, argue, illustrate, apply. I didn't know what it was back in the day. And, and said, here's, now go pick a passage. And then I spent literally the next five days, eight hours a day, going to the church library, coming back and Doyle going, no. <laughs> and sending back uh, until, uh, on Friday, you, you know Doyle. He was a great man, but not a consummate encourager all the time. All I can think of is Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Keep Miyagi. Sanding, keep sanding. Send the floor. Wax on, wax off. I remember on Friday, he goes, yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> that was the, that was the best that I got <laughs> before I went out. But, but, but it was that discipling process. So you call them out regularly. You create space for them quarterly. You prepare them. You don't just throw them out there and say, give it a try. You give them the basics of, uh, of, of sermon prep. Work with them for whatever period of time. Then when you're done with that, once they've gone through that, evaluate and disciple. You prepare and disciple, then evaluate and disciple and let them know, man, you're going to get so much better at this. I can see this is, this is the thing that you do so well. This, you can see God's called you here. This needs some work, and, and we evaluate on that. And then finally, celebrate. You celebrate that as a church. Here's the deal. 
in most of our churches, if a 17-year-old got up to preach because God had called them and it wasn't the greatest message in the world, that's still going to be one of the greatest Sundays ever, isn't it? It is. I think back, Andy, we um, we were trying to develop some of our young musicians in our student ministry, and our worship pastor did a fantastic job of pouring into a, about five or six of them. Mm. But one of them in particular just was really... We could really see God was at work in his life, and he and he moved. It was so funny because he moved him from stuff with he he always did stuff with our students, but then he started bringing him up on stage on Sunday morning. He was backup guitar, lead guitar, leading some songs, leading all the songs, and then he had the he had the the big one. He said, "And then this Sunday you're going to lead our choir because that's what we had." Ooh. And so he had to go downstairs that's on a Wednesday night. It was the big show, man. He's downstairs <laughs> and he looked he looked white as a sheet, but. Here was the cool thing. Our church, even when he wasn't at his best, celebrated him because they saw God working in him. Amen. And and when they see that, there's a community victory too, right? Because you're like, well, this is one of ours. This Absolutely. Is one of ours who's growing. And, and, and part of what you do as a pastor is to make sure that they don't go, if we didn't have a pastor, we'd die. Part of what you do is say, thank God we have a pastor who's going to help us live. And so, again, call them out monthly, create space for them quarterly, prepare them in a discipleship way, evaluate in a discipleship way, and then celebrate that so that it's always a victory. Never expecting it to be the best message in the world, just expecting it to be the best congregation in the world that's going to support that. I think that if we made that one small tweak in every church in America, where we not only called them out, but we created that space, and then we helped them through that process, I think the crisis of leadership would be over. Completely agree. Yeah, because it's just basic discipleship. So I want to challenge you with this um, and would love to hear back from you. If any of you are already doing something like this, let us know your plans. We'd love to share that and celebrate that with you. If you've not done anything like this and you're willing to jump in, let us know that as well. We're actually going to start, This is let this be the beginning of a few conversations that you and I have, Danny, on preaching. There's actually a training that uh, that we do through the Rural Pastor Podcast called Lifestyle Preaching. Because a lot of our guys don't have the opportunity to take a whole day and just dig into the Word. How, how do you learn to preach with your lifestyle? How, how do you prep in, in the course of a week in, in what you do? And we're going to talk about some of those elements. Uh, but, but if we made the commitment to reproduce ourselves by calling them out and creating the space, I think that's 90% of the battle. And think about this, too. We would not have a shortage. Like in my seat, uh, we have pastors ready to retire, want to retire, and we don't have anybody to step into their shoes because we've not really thought about what we're talking about yeah. today, Andy. Yeah. And if you if you see on the horizon, if you say, I think I'm going to retire next year, you've waited too long, <laughs> right? But but still, you need to start. If, if you're mid-50s like me, uh, or if you're early 60s, it's not too early. You're not looking for your replacement. You're just starting the practice of how do I disciple guys so that I'm leaving this legacy of leaders and learners. And uh, and who knows? That way you have some freedom, whatever God calls you to next, uh, that, that you won't feel like you're abandoning anybody because you've already built up and left what needs to be left. Well said. Amen. Guys, what a blessing. So let it let this be the beginning as we start to talk about a, a new vein in, in our Rural Pastor Podcast. Let's focus on preaching for a while, how we do that in our context with all the difficulties of being covo, bivo, and all those stresses. We'll, we'll, we'll learn some things that will challenge one another. But between now and then, just remember, what you're doing is important and you're not alone. We love you and we believe in you at the Rural Pastor Podcast. 
Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town with a room of empty peers where his love can still be found. You may never know of all the seeds you sow, but it just takes one willing soul to make him known. Thank you for joining us on the Rural Pastor Podcast. Special thanks to Chosen Road for our incredible theme music and to 180 Digital for their corporate sponsorship and making all the technical things possible. Rural Church Leader, we want to remind you that your work is important, that you are important, and that you are not alone. See you again soon for another edition of the Rural Pastor Podcast.